All right, let me know when Tommy just point. Well, good morning. Uh, this morning, this fifth Sunday in Lent, we gather together in our living rooms, our bedrooms, and offices to worship the one who is above us, the one who longs to meet with us. This Jesus who did not stay in heaven but came down and suffered, died, and was raised again so that we could be his. This morning, where is your heart looking for life and satisfaction? What's beautiful to you this morning? Let's take a few moments, wherever you find yourself, to quiet and prepare our hearts to look to him even now. Our call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 107, verses 1 through 3 and 19 and 20. So please participate with me as we interact with our call to worship. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe, those he gathered from the lands, from east and west, from north and south. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Now, please unite your hearts with me for our prayer of adoration as we pray together. Please pray with me. Our Lord and God, we come before you this morning not because we are deserving of your love and not because we've lived faithfully before you even this week. We come before you because you've called us. You've loved us before we could love you. You demonstrated your love and faithfulness to us in giving your son over to death that we might be yours forever as your dearly loved children. For this, we join all of creation in praising, adoring, and thanking you. You are great and greatly to be praised. You are at work even now, even though... Life is confusing, and we don't understand what's going on. So we offer our praise, our hearts, and our lives to you, the one who made us, the one who loves us, and who rescues us, and who pledges himself to us. We long for you to mold us into the image of your Son, whose death and resurrection and ascension can truly heal us and make us free. We beg that you would come quickly, Lord Jesus. Grant us mercy and peace. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our call to renewal this morning comes from Psalm 46, verse 10. Hear the word of our Lord. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. As we come to our time of confession, let's join our restless and anxious hearts and voices, confessing together, knowing that the God we come to is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. He's in control over everything we experience, and he hasn't fallen asleep at the wheel. He stands ready to welcome, to forgive, and restore you no matter where you find yourself this morning. He just wants you in your heart. So please confess together with me using the prayer printed in your bulletin. Please pray with me. Father of mercies, quiet our anxious thoughts and help us to be still before you. We confess that we do not run to you as our refuge and strength, but turn to many other sources of hope and help when our souls are troubled. When our lives and worlds fall apart and our hearts are like roaring and foaming seas, we are prone to fear you, accuse you, hate you, and feel abandoned by you. If we've been obedient to you, we think you owe us better than this cup of suffering. When we have disobeyed, we fear you are judging us and imagine we've spoiled your plan for our lives. Forgive us. Thank you for your presence with us in our joy and our sorrow. 
and our strength and our weakness. We praise you that we cannot ruin your plans, for you work all things, even our own sin and the sins of others against us, together for our good and your glory. Please take a few moments now to privately reflect and confess before our God who is faithful to forgive. You can hit pause on your recording and come back when you are done confessing. Our words of encouragement now come from Psalm 86, verses 5 and 7. Hear the word of our Lord again. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Our God is forgiving and good, and he hears our cries for mercy. We can go to him time and again because he hears us and he loves us and he answers us. So now please unite your hearts with me and our prayers of the people, and we'll conclude with the Lord's Prayer printed in your bulletin again. Please pray with me. Our gracious and loving Father, we thank you for your graciousness towards us, for your faithfulness and your goodness towards us, for your provision through your people, even to this church. We pray that you would free us to love the broken, the outcast, and the hurting. Use us to continue to expand your kingdom through the beauty and freedom and goodness and grace of your gospel. Even during this time of uncertainty and quarantine, help us to look to serve those in need and to give of ourselves willingly and generously because of your great love for us. We pray for your church this morning and all of her diversity. We ask that she would truly be marked by grace and holiness and humility and unity. We're thankful that we are not the only church meeting together and we praise you for those gathering together digitally and over live streaming for worship throughout this world and this community. We think especially of Woods Edge here in the Woodlands and their pastor Jeff Wells and his family and his staff. We thank you for their partnership in the gospel and ask that you would continue to use them to further your kingdom here on earth. We also pray for our partners in ministry. We pray for Crystal Watson this morning. We pray that you would Help her raise the support she needs so she can join her team on the field in Bosnia. Give her health and wisdom and grace and mercy to persevere and to be faithful in her service and in her waiting. Draw near to and comfort her family as they begin to grieve her leaving them. Use Crystal to grow your kingdom in Bosnia and across your world. Protect her from sin and discouragement and help her to be faithful to your gospel that she might be a light and a living parable of your son Jesus in every conversation and every interaction she has. We also pray for the nations and their leaders this morning. Give those who rule, who make decisions, and who lead and serve great wisdom and compassion. We pray that across your world this virus would slow down, that you would even stop it and bring an end to the fear and sickness and death that is spreading. Help us to not live in fear, but in the confidence that you are in control and you love us. We pray especially for Iran and Italy as their death tolls continue to rise. Support and strengthen the doctors and nurses around the world laboring tirelessly in hospitals and in offices. Give them energy, the supplies and equipment and resources they need. Protect them from sickness and bring great healing and relief to those who are sick. Grant that in our own community, those who are troubled and those who suffer, those who are discouraged, might find support in their brokenness and need, especially from your church. 
And Father, for our community this morning, we thank you for it. But we do know that among us there are many in great needs. For those who are sick and weary, whether physically, emotionally, mentally, or spiritually, we ask for health and strength and recovery. For those who are anxious and troubled, give great rest and understanding. Help us to be still before you. For those who are weary from isolation, we ask for fellowship and love and the presence of your spirit. Help us to remain connected in creative and intentional ways, looking to serve and come alongside those who are hurting. For those who are enduring great grief and loss, give great comfort and assurance. For those who are enduring financial hardship and job loss and job anxiety, we beg for your provision. Help us to be attentive to the needs of those around us and to be able to ask for any help that we need. And for those with broken or damaged relationships, that this time of isolation is intensifying, bring true healing and repentance. We ask that we would take hold of your vision for your kingdom and that we would labor to love our neighbors, that we would seek the good of those around us. Father, hear us now as we pray the prayer that your son has taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, this morning we are continuing our series on the gospel according to Joseph. And we'll be looking at primarily chapter 40 this morning. If you remember, the story begins in chapter 37 with Jacob's dysfunctional family. Joseph, the favorite son of his father, Jacob, has these dreams in which his family is going to bow down to him. And because of his pride and his arrogance and being spoiled by his father, Joseph demonstrates his insensitivity to his brothers, and he tells them his dreams. And this only increases their hatred of him. So they plot against him. They sell him into slavery. They fake his death. And Joseph is sold to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials. And while he's enslaved, he finds favor with Potiphar, and he's put in charge of his house. And then Potiphar's wife finds Joseph very attractive, and so she tempts him to have an affair with her. But Joseph remains upright. He refuses. He does that which pleases the Lord. And so scorn, Potiphar's wife concocts a story about Joseph being the one to pursue her and humiliate her, and he's thrown in prison for a crime he didn't commit. And that's where we pick up in our text this morning. Joseph, his life is once filled with great dreams and hope and promise, is now spiraling down and down. And it's been 11 years that he's been enslaved and in prison. His life is full of disappointments and dashed hopes. It seems like God is absent, like he doesn't care, like he's left Joseph. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe you're feeling like that right now. Our world seems to be falling apart. COVID-19 is running rampant. The economy is crashing. Our jobs and financial situations are up in the air. Relationships are falling apart. It feels like we're in the pit with Joseph, living in the shadows, as it were. And yet, as we heard last week, and we'll read again in just a moment, the Lord is with Joseph showing kindness even to him in the midst of his desperation and seemingly hopeless circumstances. So the question before us this morning 
is what do you do when life is full of disappointments and dashed hopes? When you're living in the shadows and it seems like God has left you, how do you handle times of waiting, times of suffering? Let's turn to our text for this morning, beginning in Genesis chapter 39, the end of verse 20, and I'll read all the way through chapter 40. Please hear the word of our God given for his glory and for our good. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them to the, the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had, a, had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread, and the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Please pray with me. Father, we... Thank you for your love and your mercy to us, for being in control, for giving us your word. We pray that you would use it now to encourage and strengthen us, to point us to Jesus. Uh, we need you so much, and we pray that you would be at work in us, that you, your word would come alive in our hearts, that it would soften us, that it would shape us, that it would point us uh, to Christ, that it would reveal our idols and our counterfeit faiths, and that we would come to you and rest in you 
in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our despair. Uh, We ask that you would use this time uh, to encourage us in the gospel. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, one of the the greatest movies of the past 30 years is The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, It appears on every list of the greatest movies of all time, and it seems to be on TNT almost every time you look. Uh, The Shawshank Redemption tells the story of Andy Dufresne, a successful banker who's imprisoned and given two life sentences for killing his wife and her lover. The thing is, though, Andy is innocent. He's falsely imprisoned, and he spends the next 19 years suffering at the hands of inmates, the warden, the guards, and he's even thrown into solitary confinement for two months at one point. At the end, he finally escapes, but before he does, there's this wonderful exchange between Andy and his fellow friend and inmate, Red. Andy, reflecting on his relationship with his wife and the bad luck he's experienced, says this, I was in the path of the tornado. I just didn't expect the storm would last as long as it has. And that's exactly where we find Joseph this morning, in the path of the tornado, not expecting the storm to have lasted as long as it has. Well, what about you? Where do you find yourself this morning? Can you relate with Andy and with Joseph? Have you ever felt like God is absent and he's abandoned you? All you see and experience is pain, suffering, and discouragement. Having your hopes and dreams dashed to pieces continually in front of you. And you're left waiting in the pit of suffering, living in the shadows, identifying with the psalmist in Psalm 88 where he says, Darkness is my closest friend. How do we handle those times of waiting and suffering? We struggle to wait on God, to be patient and useful even in our suffering because deep down we don't believe God is with us, that he's for us, that he cares about us, that he's even at work. So what do we learn from this text this morning? Well, first we need to be reminded of God's faithful presence with us, even when we are at our lowest, even in the pit, even in the valley of the shadow of death, he is with us. We need to remember Jesus' words from Matthew 28 to his people Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Despite what it feels like, despite what our circumstances tell us, our God hasn't left us. He hasn't abdicated the throne. He is still in control, and we must cling to his presence and his promises that he will work out all things for the good of those who love him, that he is making all things new, that he will one day when Jesus returns rid the world of pain suffering, sickness, and sadness, and disappointments, and sin, and death. But until that promise comes true, we may find ourselves living in the shadows of pain, and discouragement, despair, and hopelessness, and suffering, and defeat. So how are we to live in the shadows? God, through Moses' hand and Joseph's life, helps us here. The first thing we see is that we can have a servant's heart instead of a self-absorbed heart? What typically happens when we suffer? How are we tempted to live? We see here at the beginning of chapter 40, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt are thrown into prison with Joseph, and Joseph is assigned to care for them. These men are two of the highest-ranking, most trusted officials to Pharaoh, and they've offended him. They've sinned greatly against him. Some think that they even plotted to kill him. Now contrast this with Joseph, who's in prison for acting righteously. 
So when suffering comes or we find ourselves in a season of waiting with our hopes deferred, what is one of our greatest temptations? One of our greatest temptations is to become self-absorbed and to stop caring about others. Suffering can often turn us in on ourselves. Our fears, our discouragements, our anxieties become all-consuming and we ignore those around us. We want other people to come to us to help us. And the last thing we want is to share someone else's burdens and pains. You know, we think, my plate is full. I've had, I have enough problems of my own. Your situation might be bad, but, but mine is worse. And all of our time and energy is focused on us and our needs and our wants and our disappointments and our pain. But look at Joseph's response. In verses 4 and 5, each of the two new prisoners have a dream. And in verse 6, when Joseph came to them, he saw that they were dejected. Think about where Joseph was before when we met him. Arrogant, proud, insensitive, and hurtful to his brothers. But after being away from his family in slavery and in prison for 11 years, God has been shaping and molding and building Joseph's character. He sees the pain on these fellow prisoners' faces, and instead of ignoring them or being solely consumed with the suffering and injustice he's experiencing, he asks, why do you look so sad today? In the midst of his suffering and pain, he enters into the pain of those around him. He's sensitive to their needs. He sees these Egyptian men as human beings, as image bearers of God worthy of dignity and respect and care and love. Joseph fights against the temptation to self-pity and to focus solely and selfishly upon himself. And he turns towards serving those around him who are suffering in the midst of his suffering. There was uh, an article on BBC News that came out this past Tuesday about an Italian priest named Father Giuseppe Berardelli who died from the coronavirus. He was 72 years old and was the main priest in the town of Casnigo. The initial report said that his people donated a ventilator for him, and he refused it so he could give it to a younger man, demonstrating great love and self-sacrifice, reflecting Jesus and giving up his life to save another. Now later in the week, reports came out that this actually wasn't true. And I found myself very upset and frustrated by this. Why was this so upsetting to me? It's because we want stories like this to be true because we are made for. We require stories of sacrifice. We love to hear and to see stories of people sacrificing their needs for the sake of others. And when they aren't true, we make them up because they're so compelling to us because we need them to be true. It's why legends and myths and folktales stay with us. You know, why is a story like this so compelling? Because there's something deep inside of us that understands that this type of love is real and we need it. And the beauty of this is that in Jesus and in the gospel, we actually see this perfect expression of love. We see divine love in the story about the priest printed on Tuesday. We see it in Joseph here. We are wired to receive and to show love like this. When we are receiving and showing sacrificial love, we're actually tapping into divine love that is timeless and supersedes everything around us. But even though this story about the priest isn't true, the story of Joseph is true. In the story of the gospel, of Jesus giving up his life as a ransom for many, of Jesus giving himself for his enemies to rescue them from their greatest need, their sin, 
and their broken relationship with God to make his enemies into friends and family. This story is true. And so in the midst of suffering and discouragement, we're called to reflect Jesus. As Paul says in Philippians 2, we're called to value others above ourselves, to not look to our own interests, but to the interests of others. Suffering can produce different things in different people. It can turn you in on yourself and harden you to others and harden you towards God. Or it can expose and destroy your counterfeit faith in things that are not true and things that are not lasting. It can actually invite us into a deeper faith and repentance. And as Tim Keller says in his book on suffering, it can make us far more compassionate than we would have been otherwise. When we have suffered, we become more tender-hearted and able to help others in suffering. It gives us a range of insights that are useful to many other people we meet. When our suffering grows long, we're tempted to turn in on ourselves, and Joseph points us forward to Jesus and invites us to reflect our God's heart of showing kindness and service to those around us in need, not ignoring our own pain and situations, but not becoming so consumed by them to the point where we stop caring about and entering into the pain and needs of those around us. You know, during this time of isolation, it's easy for us to give in to the temptation to be consumed solely with our needs and our wants and our pain and grief. But I encourage you this morning to not give in to that. Check in on your neighbors. Pray for them. Call and FaceTime with people in this community. Look for ways to meet the needs of those who are in need. When you go to the grocery store, call someone who shouldn't be going out and ask what you can bring them, what errands you can run for them safely. This is an opportunity for us as the community of the people of God to demonstrate the grace and mercy and kindness of our God to our neighbors and to those around us. The second temptation we face when our storms last longer than we thought they would is the temptation to lose faith in God. It's easy to see why this might happen. If God isn't answering our prayers for relief or rescue or comfort or healing, then why would we expect him to answer anybody else's prayers? Again, think of Joseph, his dreams that he was confident were given to him by God, that he has held on to for all these years, have only amounted to being betrayed by his brothers, being sold into slavery, being falsely accused and imprisoned for doing the right and God-honoring thing. And yet when the cupbearer and the baker tell Joseph they've had dreams, he doesn't turn back to his despair. Yeah, I've had dreams too, and God hasn't shown up. Who cares about you and your dreams? No, Joseph responds in verse 8, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. We see Joseph's remarkable faith in God's power, his control, his goodness, his faithfulness here, in spite of his own personal disappointment. He believed God had given these men these dreams and that God was powerful enough to accomplish the things their dreams foretold. Don't we struggle with this when our suffering and pain is enduring instead of going away? We find it hard to keep on believing and hoping and trusting that God is with us, that he's able to work and answer our prayers, let alone the prayers of others. We think maybe God isn't really that good. Maybe he doesn't really care about me. Maybe I'm not good enough to deserve his help. Maybe he can't really do what we've asked him to. And when we succumb to this hopelessness, gradually our faith and our hope drift away to the point where we don't ask or even expect anything from God. We feel neglected, forgotten, cast away from him. 
And yet Joseph's experiences did not make him selfishly introverted or bitterly cynical. Even though his circumstances told him there is no reason to hope, he still believed in God's presence and his promises. That the God of his fathers is a God who does amazing and unthinkable things and he fulfills his promises. So what is the explanation for Joseph's faith and hope and reliance upon God in the midst of such painful circumstances? We heard it twice at the end of chapter 39, verses 21 and 23, that the Lord, the covenant God of his fathers, was with him. The only explanation is that he was aware of God's blessing upon and presence with him. The reality that God was with him was a game changer for Joseph. It was the one thing he knew was certain, and it freed him to look for opportunities to serve those around him and direct them to God. His faith, hope, love and reliance upon God in the midst of such great suffering revealed something profound about his heart. And our response to ongoing suffering and disappointments reveals something about our hearts too. When our dreams and hopes have been dashed away, we can tend to withdraw from relationships, withdraw from the means of grace available to us through the worship and community of the church. We can withdraw from God even. We can become frustrated, which is just another way to hide the fact that we're really angry with God and where we find ourselves. And in turning into ourselves, we replay all those ways those around me need to serve and love me. And when people don't do what we want, how we want, when we want, we begin to resent them. We begin to resent God for putting us in such a terrible spot and for keeping us there the last thing we are likely to do is to ask what God is doing in this and how I might be freed to serve and love, or, and love others more effectively because of the pain that I find myself in. When we find ourselves there, our hearts are being revealed and what we really believe about God and the world is being revealed as well. It shows that deep down, I believe the world and God exist to fulfill my hopes and my dreams. God exists to glorify and enjoy me by doing what I want and think is best. That's why we feel so let down and betrayed, why we withdraw from life, why we withdraw from community and friends, and why we withdraw from God. God owes me better than this, or at least an explanation of why my life is this way. But when we find ourselves there, we miss the most precious reality of our suffering, and that is that God's enduring and faithful presence is with us. So during this extra time that we have where we can't go anywhere, have you taken advantage of reading the scriptures, of rehearsing the gospel, of praying with your family and your children, of pleading for God's mercy in this pandemic? If you haven't, why haven't you? I invite you to reflect this morning. Could it be because you think it doesn't matter? that God can't really do anything about this? Have you given up on him because you don't understand why things are happening this way? The reality is God is present and he has grace for us and he can work and he is at work even in this. If you find yourself wrestling with that this morning, go to God in your laments. Confess your confusion and your distrust. Because the truth is God promises to never leave you no matter what and he hasn't fallen down on the job no matter what you're going through right now. God has grace for the humble. Rest in his forgiveness and his enduring presence and live into the reality that he is with us 
and he cares for us. And so the story continues. These men tell Joseph their dreams, and God allows him to interpret them. The cupbearer's dream will result in him being restored to his position in three days' time, and the baker's dream will result in him being brought before Pharaoh in three days to be executed. And three days go by, and everything Joseph said happened exactly as he said it would. After he revealed the cupbearer's dream, he asked one thing, though, that he would remember Joseph when he was restored to his position with Pharaoh. But chapter 40 ends with verse 23. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. And what we'll see next week is that Joseph will spend two more years in prison before the chief cupbearer remembers him. Joseph asked the chief cupbearer to show him kindness. That's the Hebrew word hesed, which means steadfast love, covenant faithfulness, mercy. It's this rich word that combines the ideas of loyalty and love. It's the same word we find in 39:21, and what the Lord shows Joseph during his imprisonment. And so this chapter ends where it begins. Joseph's disappointments and suffering are growing and enduring. And when we find ourselves there, whether it's because of the frustration and confusion piling up because of the effects of the coronavirus and our imposed quarantine, or because of the pain and suffering we are enduring in our lives for various other reasons, you need to know that it's okay if you're frustrated and confused and if you have questions. But like when Job demands answers from God for his life and pain and loss and suffering, God doesn't always provide an answer just to make us feel better or to help us understand. The answer he does provide, though, is his presence. He says, I am with you and I will not leave you. Trust me and be patient. This isn't the answer we want, but it's the answer we need in our suffering. God says in Psalm 136, My hesed, my steadfast love endures forever. In Lamentations, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We can cry out, like I'm sure Joseph did, How long, O Lord? Life might not make any sense right now. We might feel like we're in the pit and are forgotten by God. It seemed like there was hope, but again, it was snatched away from us, and we're called to wait with patience. We need to be reminded that God is with us. He is present, and he is at work even now when life doesn't make sense. What matters is that it makes sense to God, and he's shaping us to be more like Jesus in these, as Paul refers to them in 2 Corinthians 4.17, these light and momentary troubles, even though they don't feel light and momentary right now. We cannot learn to, to run a marathon by reading a book. We have to train and endure painful stress and strain on our bodies. And you can't get godly wisdom and character from a book either. There's no substitute for experience, unfortunately. And as Paul says in Romans 5, we can actually rejoice in our sufferings, not because of them, but in them, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Where can you find the hope 
and the endurance to live in the shadows with the assurance of God's love and care for you. It's only through looking to Jesus, the one who was treated unjustly, who was falsely accused and imprisoned and executed on a cross for doing no wrong. This Jesus was rejected and forgotten by God on the cross when he became our sin there, when he endured the punishment that you and I deserve for all of our sin and selfishness and rebellion against God. He was forgotten so that you would never be forgotten by God. God turned his face away from Jesus on the cross so that you would never have God turn his face away from you. If you've placed your life, your hope, your trust in Jesus and his finished and saving life and death and resurrection on your behalf now, no matter your circumstances, no matter the depth of your shadows, you know now only his faithful and his enduring presence and his unlimited favor towards you. Do you believe that this morning? It really is true. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your kindness to us, for your faithfulness to us, for your word and your encouragement to us through the life of Joseph, pointing us to Jesus. Uh, We pray that you would free us to embrace you, that we would be free to be embraced by you, that we would see our need and we would turn to you in it, that we would turn to our community in service and in seeking help. Um, We need you and we thank you that you love us and that you, Jesus, took the penalty for us, that the Father turned his face away from you on the cross so that we would only know his smile and his love and his presence. Help us to believe in that, to rest in that, and to live out of that this week. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now please receive the Lord's benediction from Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 and 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now... Let us go forth to serve this community and the world as those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God.